is Tony Johnson with Heron.org Soundbites. I'm here today with Tom Mitchell of Cambridge Associates to talk about impact investing and the future of the market. Hey, Tom. Hey, Tony. Let's just talk about a bomb you dropped earlier, which is that Sandy Yuri, your CEO, is stepping back from her role in focusing on impact investing. Can you talk a little bit about what that means for Cambridge and how this came about? Sandy has been with the firm. She's had a wonderful career, close to 30 years at Cambridge Associates, and has been our CEO for many years of those. Over the last two-plus years, the firm has really been thinking a lot about generational transfer of leadership and getting the right people in place and, and making sure that we are ready for what's next. And so I should be clear, Sandy's not leaving. She she will always and forever be revered and celebrated as part of Cambridge and a great leader. But as effective July 1st, she's stepping down from being CEO and chairman of the board and will remain on the board in a chairman emeritus role. So the two big priorities for her for what's next are focusing on both continuing to work with our clients alongside with devoting a lot of times to things she's very personally passionate about, which are impact investing. And that, that's reflected in some of her current board memberships. And I think she's looking to expand that and do more direct work. So there's a lot I look forward to learning about what she was to do there. But I thought that was a very wonderful and warming part of the announcement from someone who's been a fantastic leader for us and really helped build us as people quite unique in financial services by, say, having about half our leadership being women. So I think what she's leaving behind was a really strong group of leaders who've been carefully selected over the last few years and put in place and have already been effectively operating the firm. And so out of that, signals are quite positive for impact. We've gone from being five and six people eight years ago who really focused on how to build a mission-related investing group within Cambridge to 35 people globally now, and we could not have done that without the support and resources from the top down. I mean, there's a clear strategic vision around this is what our clients are asking about more and more globally. And this is something we not only do have to be responsive to and reactive to, but proactive in providing solutions. And so that's the big turn. I mean, I think it sends a strong signal to both our clients and my colleagues alike for what, how she says she wants to spend her time. This is an interesting sort of market signal. You know, Sandy is joining Deborah Winchell, who's gone over from the Robin Hood Foundation to, to head BlackRock's impact investing practice. You have former Massachusetts Governor Deval Patrick going to Bain <laughs> to head up their impact investing practice. So there seems to be something happening in the market. Can you talk a little bit about the significance of these larger institutional managers and advisors getting into the space and what we can expect going forward and what we might want to be watching out for? Look, it's fascinating to see BlackRock moving in and Goldman Sachs has acquired Imprint and all the big banks basically have been in on impact for a while and they're trying to figure out how to sell it and what to do and, and I don't think that that's an entirely negative thing by saying that by any means. I think what we'll see are increased capital flows coming in towards ideas and investments and I think what will be interesting for people that were in impact 1.0 or 2.0 or whatever .0 designation you want to assign to it, how they start collaborating with these folks because BlackRock is the biggest asset manager in the world. And all of these banks control huge amounts of capital and have a lot of influence, particularly with high net worth clients who are saying, we want impact. They can just push a platform on them and people invest in without a lot of debate, which can be good or bad. So what will the impact be? I think that on the positive side, there'll be continual awareness and, and just deepening of knowledge amongst people that aren't necessarily at the highest levels of high finance or big philanthropy, right? Knowledge will disseminate and come down from the mountaintop, if you will. 
there will be some more opportunities that will create products. They'll create vehicles and platforms of which people can invest with. I just happen to work in a place where we don't really invest with banks and big mass market products, but look for uh, typically more customized solutions. But but we'll certainly we're looking at everything that's coming out of BlackRock now and want to understand that. They're largely quantitative equity products. Where I think there will be interesting challenges is that there are some investments right now, uh, particularly if you think of Bain coming in or in the private markets or of Goldman putting together fund of funds and things like that, like they are. There are some really good proven impact investment fund managers that will be coming back to market and will certainly raise money or be very interested in raising money from these groups because there's scale to that. You know, fundraising is hard. So if they can go to one place and get a lot of money, that'd be good. There's a question I've always had in my mind of the ability of capital absorption for a particular manager or types of deals. There's no doubt that we have a lot of need in the world, and we need both financial and intellectual capital focusing on some of these challenges. But some of these markets have yet to be proven, so if they get flooded with capital too quickly, we just need to be aware of that uh, because that will lead to bad results. And then that will lead to skeptics saying that they were right. So I think we just need to be careful about both these big institutions need to be positive stewards and recognize what they're getting into instead of just seeing it as a short-term opportunity. And I haven't seen anything to suggest they aren't thinking of it as long-term, to be fair. But they need to be aware of this. And at the same time, it should create some avenues for people who are more risk-averse, if you will, to feel more comfortable about forging and impact investing. We were talking a little bit earlier about the meeting that you had, and frankly, my colleague Dana was also at this meeting with one of our investees, Huntington Capital. Can you talk a little bit about the role of having a private equity manager think about employment and other types of impacts, particularly those that are people-focused, over the long term? Are there any lessons that we should have our listeners think about the next time they engage with a private equity manager? I'd say what's great about Huntington, just to describe them a little bit, they're based out of California, in Southern California, and they work and provide largely debt and some equity in a private equity structure to smaller enterprises, lower middle market as they call it in the private equity landscape. So looking at groups that have anywhere we're say between like five and 25 million in EBITDA earning and revenues to their, their companies. And they'll look to make two to five million dollar deals. Whereas if you're a company that has half a billion dollars in earnings, you have no problem getting credit. Any bank will bank you. Anyone on Wall Street will will back you and want to transact with you financially. Huntington's working with enterprises that don't have that same access to capital. They might get some from big banks, regional banks in California, et cetera, but there's a sweet spot. And they're looking to do things at a deal size. Typically, other private equity firms aren't looking at deals that small. So focusing on impact is very important for them because they're fishing in a pond, if you will, where where there are not a lot of other fishermen or hooks. So you will invariably see some things that are not good deals, <laughs> not attractive enterprises. So they all have to do their own financial diligence on this anyway. But I think what, what I took away from conversations with Huntington over the last several years, and particularly this most recent meeting, is that by focusing on the impact angle and what the attitude and approach toward impact, and particularly in this case, gainful jobs, um, is a sign of quality and in a company as well. So if there's someone they want to do business with and want to lend money to, um, having some philosophical alignment around that I think is strong and, and helps help someone stand out a cut above the rest, particularly as we're in a later stage of a credit expansion right now. So some of the people coming over in front of them that they might consider to look to as a potential investment 
might not be as high quality as those as those they were seeing a few years ago. Having that impact lens can be a real differentiator from a risk management standpoint. I think people often overlook that. They talk about the positive things that they can do in the world. But so when you're looking at some of these enterprises, which could be in light manufacturing, they're not really doing a lot of tech-driven Silicon Valley stuff by any means. They're, they're looking at where companies are located, where poor people, frankly, are living and can get good jobs. It's just kind of common sense. If they're focused on impact, in this case, gainful jobs, employment, and they're providing good quality employment, they have less turnover of their employees. They keep their employees longer. Their skills evolve there at the firm. They're able to do a better job in delivering high-quality products and services to the company. And they take greater pride and ownership in their work because they have a stake in the company, too. I think these are all virtuous things all of us think of as, like, yeah, of course, MBA 101 stuff, right? But they're recognizing that when they do their diligence and go through and look at the deal flow. And if they find really good companies that they'd like to lend more money to or continue to be a business partner with, which could be beneficial toward investors like Heron and others, they want to help these companies get better at that. They want to say, here's where you are. Here's a baseline. Where, where could you be in three or five years with a strategic view if you really focus on employment, the quality of employment? Where might that get you? And the companies that follow that path are also the ones that will be likely, even as they grow and could be banked by others, um, will still be looking to partner with someone like a Huntington because of good philosophical alignment. You mentioned light manufacturing. There was an article in the New York Times recently that talked about some of the campaign promises around bringing back manufacturing jobs. Some of the work that we've done here at Heron sort of shows that even if the companies do reshore jobs, that they're not necessarily as many jobs or as profitable jobs. And this is all tied up with questions about trade deals, thinking about jobs and working class and middle class folks. How can we provide some kind of climate that leads to greater stability for Americans? Tough question. (laughs) (laughs) It's a huge challenge. And recall when I was in graduate school and I was looking at labor data in the state of North Carolina. It was, it was at the planning school at UNC and, and studying business at Duke. In the state of North Carolina, you had a long, slow decline of a furniture industry, of a textile industry, things going offshore, and tobacco. In these industries, despite knowing for decades that they're declining and moving offshore, still have a ton of people dislocated by trade. And they passed the Central American Free Trade Agreement back in the mid-2000s, and that was not well-received in North Carolina. Kind of just like the nail in the coffin on textiles there. So I think I give you that background. As I looked at this and I said, there's a generation of people being written off. And I could see where the social tensions come. People that are squeezed at the bottom always then start fighting each other. And that's, I think, what's happening in our election right now. And it's it's terrible. So as investors, when we say we want to bring back manufacturing, we have to be honest about in what. So manufacturing in itself just creates supply. Where's the demand it's meeting? In North Carolina, we might have made socks in a textile mill, and we could employ, say, 500 people making your standard where you can buy a three-pack of Hanes tennis socks, <laughs> whatever, for, for $10. That's a really hard job to bring back. But if you say, well, what we still have, we have highly skilled labor, we have great capital and technology, that people can now make socks you don't require 500 people, but you can make socks. Someone that likes to go weekend riding, getting out of Manhattan and go bike riding around is willing to pay $20 for some super padded pair of socks that fits in their biking shoes. That's a higher value-added product, which the margins can be distributed back to the employees. When you think about manufacturing and light manufacturing, it's what's the addressable market? Where's the demand? And so when you're investing in those, there are jobs we can bring back. We have to work that much harder 
as investors to understand. It's not just saying we're pushing money out the door and it's going somewhere into the market, whatever that is. The challenge for investors now is to say, well, what market and how and with whom and to do what? And, and then can we dig even deeper? And this is where a foundation, particularly if they drop divisions between an investment side of the house and a program side of the house, can merge the tremendous knowledge that both have to say, where's our capital best deployed? I know this is something you guys think a lot about. Could this be philanthropic equity into a situation which could help spur and build a base of potential employees to then go work down here in a value chain where we could put financial, you know, more investment capital to work. So we can't remove ourselves as the United States from engaging with the world, but I think we can do a better job of creating healthier, better local jobs because we're not just going to move into being a bunch of consultants and retail workers that buy all of our stuff from overseas. That's just not going to work either. That's too extreme the other way. Do you have any final thoughts? I mean, we've been talking for quite some time and just wanted to know if anything was top of mind for you. Um, I think if, if people can take away from conversations like this and learn about their own journey, that it is important to learn from others and try not to repeat the same mistakes, i.e. be it emerging countries, burning fossil fuels and cutting another force, but, but also know the impact investing world is impact investors. There's a lot that you've done here at Heron for decades now that people can learn from and build on so they don't have to repeat your learnings. And um, I find what I love, I, there's so much I love about what I get to do. It's the people I get to talk with. It's, it's the capital we get to put to work for good. But it's also knowing that it's balancing this duality between having a long-term view on what does success look like for an organization and also the world that they're trying to make better. And recognize that we're in a very highly iterative space. Impact investing just keeps changing so much. I mean, we're really at this place where it seems like every few months there's new big news or next big evolution or big entrance to the marketplace or more capital flowing or a measurement or what, what have you, all the things we've talked about. So I think people need to really work hard to understand, you know, what's their long-term keel? What, what, what balances them and helps drive them forward that they can anchor on? But really explore with the iteration and really study and learn what's out there and what makes sense for them. My final thought is more of an encouragement to everyone else to keep on keeping on. Well, thank you, Tom. For Heron.org, this is Tony Johnson.